Welcome back to Love Lindsay, a captivating podcast that delves into the realms of our past and embraces the cringy nostalgia that accompanies it. In this thrilling audio experience, we will embark on a journey through time, reflecting on the things we have written in the past and the bittersweet memories they evoke. Get ready to rediscover forgotten moments, cringeworthy anecdotes, and perhaps even find solace and the shared experiences of our past selves. What is up, everybody? How is everybody doing? How is everybody's mental health? Let a girl know. School is going well for me. I've just been commuting back and forth downstate, staying at my parents'. And yeah, finishing a journey that I started 16 years ago when I moved to California and uh, abandoned my grad school dreams. And now I'm right back on the road. And it has been quite the experience. So today, in honor of kind of a creepy, spooky season... I'm going to be talking about a blog I wrote in 2020, and the blog post is entitled, I Put My Stalker in Jail, exclamation point. And I want to talk about this because I know that true crime fascinates a lot of people, and this kind of touches on that. And this is just something that really deeply affected my life for the worse. And I feel like there are things that have changed since the time it happened. This happened in 2008, by the way. So there are things that are different now that would make this like impossible to happen. It was just right time, wrong place, wrong time, right place, however you want to say it. So Like I said, I wrote this blog post February 18th of 2020, and these events took place in 2008. So without further ado, let's get right into it. It's a day and age where we are always being watched. Having cameras on us at all times is the quote unquote norm. Whether we are posting YouTube videos, our friends' Snapchats, security cameras at work, you know how it is. By the way, um, I remember writing this blog post because I was, I had just gotten like my first job after kind of being bedridden with depression for a few years. And when we moved to Traverse City, I just immediately started feeling better. And I decided to get a like quaint little retail job downtown. And I was like livid that the boss would watch me on the cameras and it just triggered something in me. Like I hated being watched all the time or like getting a phone call being like, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? It just disgusted me. So I think that's why I opened with that line anyway. And then I say, is our privacy really even private anymore? Are our TVs watching us? Which now we know they definitely are. 
What about our own cameras and phones? What does this have to do with mental health? Well, a lot. I think I've talked enough about social media and mental health to make you roll your eyes by now, but I keep talking about it because it means so much to me. I don't want to hear about how I'm being watched by cameras or even think about someone invading my privacy or watching me when I think I'm alone because something has happened to me that changed me forever and now I'm ready to share this story. Yeah, I was at my wits end being watched. These events started happening to me in 2008. At the time, I was in a long-distance relationship with Eddie, who was still in the Army. Having a strong and bad, badass Army Ranger boyfriend is awesome, but when you live in separate states, there's not a whole lot he can do to make you feel protected on a daily basis. I knew I had to take care of myself and be strong while we were apart. This was a little over 10 years ago, and thankfully, many things have changed, including what you can do about these things, which we will get to in a bit. I had a Facebook account at the time and still do. These events didn't cause me to quit social media or change my phone number. And that's something important about this story. I wanted to keep my life the way it was. And that meant that once my privacy was invaded, I had to fight back instead of hiding. And damn it, if I didn't wish I had the same resolve with everything, right? I'm going to keep all parties of the situation private except for Eddie and I. However, I am keeping every detail about this story as accurate as I can. This man, who was my stalker, did not message me on Facebook, but as I found out later, he did at one point have me as a friend on Facebook. He was someone that I went to high school with, but I never, that I can remember, talked to him or had any interaction before or after we graduated. Once I heard this man's name, when it was all said and done, I still had no clue who he was. I didn't work with him or hang out in the same social circles. I just want to highlight the fact that this guy was not in my social circle, so be aware that anyone from anywhere could do this. As a side note, when I say quote-unquote friends on Facebook, and I think you all get the gist, but you can friend someone and not even talk to them. I just want to clarify that before moving on. At the time, I was accepting friend requests from most people, whether or not I knew them. And I want to put it out there that at one point in time, my phone number unfortunately was listed for others to see who are quote unquote friends with me on Facebook. That I remember so specifically was something that happened at a certain time around that era when it was like suddenly phone numbers became unprivate and people didn't know that their phone numbers were listed on there. It's crazy because you guys, I still will come across someone's Facebook and their phone number is like public on there. And I'm just like horrified by this. Uh, so I don't want to put it out there that at one point in time, my phone number unfortunately was listed for others to see who were friends with me in Facebook. When this started happening to me, I realized this fact and I quickly took it down. As I recall, during this time, many people had their phone number listed as visible to friends on Facebook and didn't even realize it, myself included. The harassment started with phone calls. Having a boyfriend in the army, especially one who is deployed to Iraq, can sometimes mean you have your phone ringer turned on 24-7, so you don't miss any calls. I was in that habit at the time. 
Although Eddie was thankfully done with his tours overseas, I was still used to being available to talk at any time in case he needed support of any kind. I had a black Samsung flip phone with caller ID and the number was always blocked when this stalker guy called or it was a number I didn't recognize. I often let it go to voicemail. He left voicemails sometimes, but they were terrifyingly stat silent, just static or air. Then he would call again and again and again all night long. It was absurd. At this time, call blocking wasn't an option on everyday cell phone plans. You guys, imagine there was no way to block phone numbers in 2008. That is crazy to me. I tried calling Sprint to see if they could block a number for me, but that wasn't an option either. Research at the time told me that Verizon was the only cell phone company blocking numbers for people. For several weeks, I dealt with these constant phone calls and fought with the idea of changing my phone number. I wasn't alone in this endeavor, and I feel like I had a unique situation where I found out one other girl was that who he was also harassing, a girl that also lived in my hometown that also graduated the same year. This bizarre experience would bring us together in the strangest way. I'm glad to know her and have gone through this together. We had a detective devoted to the case who we could call at any time, and he would reach out to us when we needed him. But until they could find out who he was, the phone calls continued. You guys, this was just such a wild time in my life. Like him calling over and over again and me asking like, what do you want? And him just like breathing into the phone. Oh my God. It was, it was like terrifying, especially once I found out who the guy was and that he lived in this town. Oh, it was so weird. Anyway, back to the blog post. My phone was always ringing from this dude, and I have to admit that a couple times I picked up to try to find out who he was. I never confirmed it was me that he was trying to reach, as in I never said, this is Lindsay, but I think he already knew, obviously, because my voicemail greeting says who it is. When I asked this guy questions, he would tell me things like, I got your phone number from a mutual friend in jail. Are you fucking kidding me? A mutual friend in jail? That is disgusting. And looking back, I think I know who it was. And that fucker, like, I swear to God, who would do that? Who would be like, oh, this fucking like random guy in jail knows this girl that I know. So I'm going to give him her phone number. Anyway, he told me he knew where I lived, where I worked, and when I left the house. You guys, that is so bad. I just, I knew he was watching me at this point. And yeah, he told me he knew when I left the house even. And he told me what he liked about how I looked at my photos. He told me he knew who my friends are. He never actually said, I'm watching you right now. But there were many times when I'd come home from work late at night, my purse and waitress apron in hand with my keys and nervously shake out of fear for whether this guy really was watching to see when I come and go. 
Eddie would try to comfort me by saying he was probably all talk, which I think now is true, but it was still terrifying. All talk as in, obviously he was watching me because he knew things about me, but I don't know if he was actually going to approach me or do something. Who knows? Anyway, I remember there was one time I was hanging out with some guy friends and we were all out having a great time. The stalker starts calling again and the phone was passed around between my friends while they took turns threatening him and trying to get him to say who he was. There was probably a lot of, I'll kick your ass, and other macho guy talk. The incident wasn't the only time I had a friend pick up the phone and tell him off. We weren't going to stop him this way. I was relieved when the detective started getting information on this guy and could give me the good news. You guys, this detective really saved the day. It was just like one of those times where the cops actually do what they're supposed to do. It was incredible. So the detective learned that this man was using burner phones that were 100% untraceable. So we waited and kept reporting the phone numbers he would call from. Finally, the detective found the store where he was purchasing them from, but he was paying in cash. Damn. Dead end. And a couple weeks go by and I get a phone call telling me that this guy was dumb enough to buy another burner phone, but he must have been going broke because he used a credit card in his own name. What a dumbass. Bingo, they had his name and info now. And actually, the detective told me he was already known by local law enforcement because he gets in trouble quite a bit. Not surprised. At the time that we pressed charges, he was already on probation, which led to him getting jail time for violating his parole. I don't know if I have all the phrasing of this legal talk correct, but all I cared about was that we tracked this guy down and he needed to learn that I was a girl who fought back. However, there was still a final step to take. I had to see him in court and I was very nervous for that. This was my second time in court in two years because as you guys remember, I was arrested on my first date with Eddie and had to go to court for that, so... Look at me back in the courthouse. I felt like I was such a badass working with a detective to get my stalker in jail and enjoy life harassment free. But when it came time to see him in person, I freaked out. They allowed me to sit in another room with a friend of mine at the courthouse while they proceeded to do their legal stuff in the room next to us. All I had to do was testify, answer questions, when they told me he was about to walk by the room, I put my head down. I just couldn't look. What if I recognized him or he said something to me? My friend reported to me that he just looked like any other guy. What does that tell you? To me, that tells you you never know what someone will do and you can't you just can't judge people at what they look like. Now, do most people get jail time for phone call harassment and stalking? I'm not sure. And I think usually not. But because this guy was already in trouble, he was put back in jail. 
It was confirmed by the detective when and where he was incarcerated, and he was also kind enough to notify me when he got out of jail a couple years later. But I was already living in California at the time, so I didn't care about that. And living in Michigan again now, still not scared. Come at me, bro. So that's basically my story of how I put my stalker in jail. I love telling you guys stories about my life and passing on things I've learned from different situations. What would you have done if you were me? What do you think we could do now in 2020, the time I wrote this blog, that we couldn't do in 2008? This is my favorite part of this blog post. And here's a bonus tip. My own controversial answer to those pesky, unwanted sexual direct messages. You know the kind I'm talking about. Every girl gets them. This is the solution for those of all genders and associations. This is something you can do. This is something you can do about unwanted and uninvited sexual direct messages you receive on social media or otherwise. Next time you get one, out the person. I'm not kidding. Dox them. I've done it and it feels great. This is what you do. Screenshot the unwanted message, including username, etc., and post it on the network from which you received the message. Last year around this time, I got a message that was overtly sexual, sexually explicit in nature and not even remotely called for. Like I had never talked to this guy ever. And he messaged me something horribly disgusting. So I took a screenshot of the message and posted the image. This was on Facebook. And so you could see on the chat, like his first and last name. And I tagged him when I posted it. And now everyone could see who this person was and what they said to me. The backlash was swift and immediate. But here's the best part. When the person requested I take it down, I used the handy request money from this person button and said, I will take this down if you pay me 50 bucks. I think it was 50 or 100. I don't know. I can't remember. Boy, was this person sorry. <laughs> I bet they'll think again before being so rude or not. It doesn't matter to me if they learn their lesson, but now I'm $50 richer and they look like an asshole. I get that this punishment doesn't fit every situation, and it's pretty controversial. I don't think it's very controversial, actually. Maybe I thought so in 2020. But when you've had it, and I've had it, then just do it. So I just wanted to show or talk about some statistics that I learned from the CDC website, actually, um, about stalking. And how big this problem is. The National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey reports that about one in three women and one in six men have been stalked at some point in their lives. While most women and men first experience being stalked as adults, approximately 24% of female victims and 19% of male victims reported being stalked as minors. And nearly 58% of female victims and 49% of male victims experienced stalking before the age of 25, which I would have fallen into that category. And what are the consequences of being stalked? Women and men 
who were stalked felt fearful, threatened, or concerned for their safety or the safety of others as a result of the perpetrator's behavior. And about 69% of female and 80% of male victims experienced threats of physical harm during their lifetime. Research has shown a relationship between stalking victimization and complaints of pain and poor current health status, injury, and chronic disease. Studies have also, also shown that stalking can lead to psychological distress, such as depression and post-traumatic stress disorder, which I've been diagnosed with both. So let me give you guys some information about this. If you are having issues with this or you know someone is, so you can call Victim Connect at 1-855-4-VICTIM or 1-855-484-2846. There's also the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-2, or excuse me, 1-800-799-7233. And the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is one 800 656 Hope or 1-800-656-4673. A nice, short and sweet podcast today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, I'm having a blast making this podcast. It has been amazing. I'm getting so much great feedback, so many downloads and plays But, you know, it is difficult to get your podcast out there as a female. So if you want to help a girl out in this male-dominated endeavor, please like and subscribe or rate on whichever platform you're listening to my podcast on. It also helps if you download it before listening. Also... Go to lindsaylumis.com for more fun stuff. I've got my merch on there. I've got my blog. You can listen to other podcast episodes. Um, And you can also visit all my vlogs on there too, my YouTube channel. So thanks again. And uh, yeah, let me know what you guys want to hear me read next. I will see you next Wednesday on another episode of... Love, Lindsay.